Alright, good evening everyone and welcome back to the We Shall Not Sleep podcast. Thank you so much for joining us this evening and happy first day of Lent, Ash Wednesday to many of you out there. Uh, Here in the Midwest though, we've encountered a little bit of an ice storm. So I am actually not in church tonight. I'm coming to you basically live because I've pushed our Ash Wednesday service to Friday. So we're having an Ash Friday service. Uh, a little bit stranger, but uh, we have to be able to adapt, especially with weather and with an aging congregation. And there's no need for them to be out. We can, God will will uh, certainly understand. So uh, with all of that being said, I just want to just thank you so much for all the support uh, that you guys have given me over the last couple of weeks. And please connect with us still at our Facebook page, We Shall Not Sleep podcast, our YouTube channel, and wherever you listen to your podcast. That's where we are found as well. So I, I'm curious what you guys are doing for Lent. Please send send the feedback. I would love to hear what you guys are what you guys are doing, where the Spirit is moving you. I know I have about five things I'm really fasting and praying for, things that I'm really, really, um, that are on my mind. And uh, I'm not going to share all of them, but one of them is this like this orphanage idea, this vision that I had I talked about um, a few months ago. Uh, I'm praying about some extracurricular activities, whether or not I need to give them up. Uh, I'm praying for a particular individual uh, who will remain unnamed. Um, and it's just it's just one of those one of those things that I am I have my my mission. I have what I'm what I'm doing and, um, and my my church is part of all of that and as we're God's taken us into some new territories, and I'm, I'm so, so ready for it. But all of that aside, as, as I'm thinking about today being Ash Wednesday, the beginning of Lent, all these things that are going on, it's so hard to get distracted, so, so hard not to get distracted, rather, by, by work and other extracurriculars and, and family. Well, you know, this morning, my, my daily reading had me going through John chapter 6, and it's, it's one of my favorite passages. I did an exegesis on it when I was in school. And the end of John chapter 6 is so relatable because at this point, Jesus had fed everyone lunch, you know, the feeding of the 5,000 in this passage. And then he goes on to say, but by the way, and, and it's not a stretch to think that some of these people were following Jesus because they, it was a, he was a source for food and given their, their suffering and status, impoverished nation, uh, their impoverished um uh, nature was what I mean to say, or just their their poor disposition um, to find somebody who can give them food, you know, and who was also you know claiming to be something like a, of a messianic, uh, you know, a savior. This was huge for these people, and it's something that's going to be lost sometimes. That like again, like these people are being a lot of these these people were were suffering at the hands of the Roman Empire, so not having access to a lot of these same. Um, a lot of the same things that we have today because they were not part of the state. They did not do or abide by the customs of the rulers. And one of the things that I see throughout Scripture is this this, this, um, this juxtaposition that between what we are supposed to be as Christians and what, what the world has in store for us. Well, Jesus says, well, at the end, end of this chapter, well, if you want to actually have the bread that always satisfies, you must... You must drink for me, and you must have my flesh. And 
for a lot of people who are the literalists among them, they're thinking we can't be cannibals. That doesn't make any sense. But maybe there were some that were thinking, well, if this guy is saying, is he equating himself to be the Messiah? And it says at that time, many of his disciples turned around and no longer followed him. And I find that fascinating because it's not just talking about followers. I mean, we, we know that he, there were the 12 apostles, but we also uh, refer to that sometimes as just the 12 disciples. But it, it, for me, I, I just I, it's a reminder of how following Jesus is hard. Th- this is so difficult. And this, this, is, this is verse 61 in John 6. But Jesus, conscious that his disciples grumbled at this, said to them, Does this cause you to stumble? Well, then if you see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before, it is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and are life, but there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were who did not believe and who it was that would betray him. And he was saying, For this reason I have said to you that no one can come to me unless it has been granted to him from the Father. As a result of this, many of his disciples withdrew and were not walking with him anymore. So Jesus said to the twelve, You do not want to go away also, do you? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have words of eternal life. We have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Jesus answered them, Did I myself not choose you, the twelve, and yet one of you is a devil? Now he meant Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, for he, one of the twelve, was going to betray him. Well, Judas gets a bad rep of, of being the betrayer, but it's a reminder that we betray Jesus every day. We betray Jesus every day in, in what we think and what we say, and we're constant need of his mercy, his grace, and his forgiveness. It's that unconditional love that we we need and we crave, but yet we sometimes throw that away entirely. And that is something that, as I'm reading over this passage again, is that we could oftentimes you know, put ourselves in, that, in the position of the disciples looking back, saying, look how dumb they were. But yet at the same time, you have, we have to understand that this wasn't just a simple thing for these folks. This was, this was something that, um, at least for me, looking at all of this, it's like, it's me. I'm the people that, that would have wanted to have walked away. Like, who am I to think I'd be one of the 12? Uh, and then because we have the benefit of knowing what Jesus was and what he was fulfilled to be. But, I mean, how many people up, up to that point claimed to be the Messiah? We, we don't have uh, the, those documents. We know there were false prophets. There were false teachers among, among, among uh, the uh, Hebrews at that time. But it's not like anyone just going around stating, hey, you know, I'm the Messiah. Anyone could do that. The question is, how would you meaningfully sustain that claim? And Jesus did. But then his teaching was a bit off. It was different than what they were expecting. They expected somebody to set the captives free, literally, not talk about hearts. They they didn't want him to save Gentiles or have a message for the Gentiles. What are you talking about? We're being persecuted by this empire. Where's the chariots of fire? Why aren't you smiting these people? These are all questions that they were answering. And so Jesus was turning all their expectations on their head. And then he was then he's teaching them this thing that you, by the way, don't follow me for all these carnal things that you want. Crave the spirit and be transformed by the renewing you know, of your mind. Be transformed from the inside out. Let your spirit, which gives life, let that give birth to this. Don't let your, your flesh rule your entire life. Consume me. 
And if you reject me, you reject the Father because I'm from the Father. It's just, it, it's lost on us sometimes about what that means and how, why Jesus was equating this and why it was so difficult to accept. Following Jesus is hard. And even his disciples, many of them turned back at this. It was a point at which he was saying, by the way, I'm from the Father, but since you don't know the Father, you don't know me. Ooh, is that hard. So for us, though, if we we're going to study Jesus, we have to know the heart of the Heavenly Father. This has been something I've been preaching about as my church has been chronicling the life of Jesus in order. And we've been skipping over some of the miracles. There's not enough time in the world to talk about each and every encounter and what it means. But what I have found that what's been helpful is we're discovering the heart of God, the heart of God, which is demonstrated through creation all the way through the end and his promise through his messenger, John, about how he's coming quickly. But Jesus being God's son, never equating, you know, any credit uh, with himself, always giving it back to the heavenly father, always pointing back to the heavenly father, being a reflection of the father's will, the perfect and holy will of God, of Yahweh. Jesus himself is perfect and holy. And he's our model for us here on earth of how we can live, how it's possible to be dedicated to God, fully consecrated, or us in the Wesleyan uh, tradition, uh, sanctified. Well, it doesn't mean that any of this is going to be easy. It does not mean that following Jesus doesn't have a cost. And we don't, I don't think we talk about that enough. We really don't talk about dying to oneself or, and literally laying down my wants and then taking up my cross daily. These are all a bunch of platitudes that we offer up, but as far as grasping what they mean and then living them out, at least here in the West, it, it's it's just a, a poor, poor fruit, very poor fruit. The, of course, there are people out there that I've met that are holy, better than me in every single way, and I love and I think they're role models for sure, but that's a very rare uh, rare occurrence. And maybe it always is supposed to be that way because, you know, Jesus only had 12 apostles, but they weren't, there weren't just 12 believers. There were people that were ready and willing to to lay down their own lives after one encounter. And it's a testament to their faith. Or the people that just believed Jesus could do what he did and he didn't need to be there even. Well, this is what I want us to think about maybe in Ash Wednesday is that maybe our faith isn't has nothing to do with us. Maybe God wants to use you not to better your life in any way, not to change or transform your life in any specific way, but so that you can be used to bless other people. Now, I believe your life will experience that type of transformation as an end result, but like I talked about in stewardship and being given gifts, this all comes into the same, same fold is that why do we offer up our bodies this way? It's to worship God. It's not to get something out of it. I think getting, I think, well, the results always becoming closer to God. I mean, I don't think it's bad at all to want a deeper relationship with him. I don't think that's selfish at all because if you're acknowledging that he's the one that which that all that sustenance can come from, it's not selfish. It's very humble. But our actions must demonstrate that, that and it must be an, um, pledging ourselves in fealty to it. We, we've got to be able to, to back that up with action. And that's what my prayer is for, for all of us here don't let this this Lent go to waste. And just as I asked last week, how bad do you want it? Whatever that this thing is that you're desiring, how bad do you want it? Because following Jesus is hard. 
It's not just the thing that you do on Sunday, even though we've been made to believe here in the West that that's all that's required. And shame on the leaders who have done nothing to dissuade people of that opinion. Because it's on us. It's on the leaders that have truly allowed that type of behavior to occur. And the reason why I can say this is because there's such a lack of fruit in our culture. It's, it's easy to attack because it's like it's so many of it is frivolous because look at our fruit. We've got nothing. We don't have any grit. We can't even tell people why we believe in what we believe. These are just some thoughts I have, but as we start Lent, as we go over the next 40 days, if you allow him to, he will move in a way that you never thought was possible. Trust me, I can tell you that for certain. But you have to allow him to have his will first. Stop getting in the way. Following Jesus is hard. If it was easy, everyone would do it. May God bless you. May God keep you.